officially in Pittsburgh hockey season. And yes, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you heard it for years and years and years that a big portion of our city really wouldn't pay much attention to hockey until the Steelers were done. Well, the Steelers are very, very done after that fiasco last night at Heinz Field. And the Penguins, of course, get started for real Wednesday night in Philadelphia. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. The Penguins also were in action, much lower profile, to put it mildly, last night at PPG Paints Arena. Mike Sullivan had the team take the ice for an intra-squad scrimmage set up to run it around the same time they'll be facing the Flyers to get the players more acclimated to what a game night will feel like. Uh, The face-off at Wells Fargo Center, and I'll be out there for that, is at 5.38 p.m. And Sam Lafferty showed well. Oh, you can find out other details from other people. But Sam Lafferty, my guy, had a breakaway in this scrimmage against Casey DeSmith. Walked in, did a like a forehand move as if he was going to go short side down low. Got DeSmith to bite and just flicked it far side past him. Staying on the forehand, really, really, really smooth. One thing that I wasn't thinking when I watched this video a time or ten was, man, that looks like a third-line, fourth-line plugger to me. Next thing I was thinking, because I was at Heinz Field covering the Steelers game, was, boy, it'll be nice to see the Penguins have some young guys. And then, of course, I watched and covered what happened to the Steelers and mostly their older guys. Straining a bit to twin these things together, because that's just the way my life on this job works. I overlap these teams and these beats and these scenarios. I wondered what it is that the Penguins could learn from what just happened to the Steelers. And now, watching the hard decisions that the Steelers will have to make with a roster that's got some older guys but also has some legit younger guys and a dynamite defense. And I came up immediately with a couple of parallels. One is the obvious, and I heard this from people reaching out to me on the website or on social media asking if they felt that this was like the Penguins' loss to the Canadiens. The Penguins went down three games to one in a best of five. The Steelers went down to the Browns, and they went down in flames. I'm not at all inclined to compare these two things. Uh, Say what you want about the Canadiens having been the 24th seed in a 24-team tournament. The Canadiens also happen to employ the man who a lot of people feel is the most gifted goaltender on the planet in Carey Price. And Carey Price very much lived up to that, not only in that series, but also in the following series 
when Montreal continued to show well. So it didn't feel all that fluky. This was bizarre. I mean, the Browns didn't have their head coach. They're missing a handful of starters to either injuries or to COVID. They lost more starters as the game went on. Steelers should have steamrollered this team, but they didn't. They didn't. Obviously, it went in the other direction with all those turnovers in the first quarter. But the thing that stood out the most for me about the football game also reminds me of something that I've been harping on a lot as it relates to the hockey team. You can't have in elite professional sports, in big league professional sports, a feeble or frail quality to your team. You can't and shouldn't have that feel that every play is going to be that guy's last if he just twists and turns the wrong way. I'm thinking, fairly or not, of that snap over Ben Roethlisberger's head in which he and James Conner are the two people going back for that ball. Ben's 38 years old. You have a pretty good idea he's not going to fall on it. And James Conner gets hurt rolling out of bed. And you have a pretty good idea that he's not going to fall on it. What happens? Four crazy, young, hungry Cleveland Browns come flying in there like Tasmanian devils and take it over. The Penguins had started to come with that same feel, if we're looking for parallels here. Not as old, but definitely as feeble and kind of slowish. You know, guys who get hurt a little bit too often and guys who weren't able to keep up with the pace that's expected in a Mike Sullivan system. No, 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 that's required in a Mike Sullivan system. And yes, I'm talking about Patrick Marlowe here. You don't bring in a 42-year-old guy to play in a speed system. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter what's on his resume. So when you watched the Penguins in those four games, and, and really, if we're being honest here, to the latter part of the incomplete regular season in February and early March when they were really, really struggling before the win in Newark, if you'll recall, this was a team that just looked like it had, uh, you know, there was nothing going. And you look at them and you go, well, geez, they look like they're playing hard. I mean, they're trying. So why isn't anything happening? Well, Jim Rutherford made his moves but there's still more that's needed. This segment of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by Warrior Alpaca Socks. What makes these socks different is the alpaca fiber used in their construction. It's stronger, softer, far less irritating to the skin, more breathable, warmer than wool, hypoallergenic. They come in all-day wear socks, outdoor work socks, cozy bed socks, lightweight diabetic compression socks, and they all look and feel great. I know this for a fact. They have been tested. You can treat yourself to a pair of Warrior Alpaca socks as well. Go to warrioralpacasocks.com. Use the code DK to get 15% off your first order. One more time, that's the code DK 
for 15% off your first order just for our podcast listeners at warrioralpacasocks.com. Tell them we sent you when you do this. How do the Penguins get younger? Well, you, you've heard me talk about this quite a bit. But here we are now, just a couple days out from taking the ice for real against the Flyers, who do have a fair amount of younger talent. Yes, it's it's fair to to, to and, and accurate to label them as a team that continues to rely maybe a little bit too much on Claude Giroux, Jakub Voracek, JVR, and a couple other guys that are up there in years, but at the same time, they've also got younger forwards who make a difference. They've got younger defensemen, fast defensemen. They're a fast roster, the Flyers have. If the Penguins were to go into that building and look, you know, feeble and frail, those words again, it's going to get exposed. Play Sam Lafferty. It's like every subject that comes up, I'm just going to swing it back to Sam Lafferty. I might continue this all winter. I don't think he's the greatest hockey player I've ever seen. But I do think he has more potential than to just plug away. And I believe that pretty strongly. I I wouldn't say that I'm like 100% convinced of it, but pretty strongly. He can be that guy, like Brian Rust, the Swiss Army knife, who goes up and down the lineup. Late in 2019, which now seems like a million years ago, I had a talk with Lafferty. This was in Winnipeg. After Lafferty had gone on this wonderful little roll. Remember when he first came up with the game the night before in St. Paul, Minnesota? He also played well later that night in Winnipeg, but this was earlier in the day. This was before the game. And I asked him what he thought of himself, meaning how does he envision himself? Is he a is he a grinder? Is he someone who's just going to become a really good penalty killer and do things, whatever? Or is he someone who can score? Can he be a top six guy? And his answer at the time was, and he's very much like this super straight arrow totally like in safe territory all the time and he just said I want to be like Brian Rust and he made it clear that that admonition had come from above that he's heard that from the Penguins development people for years they all use Brian Rust as an example which is actually kind of cool right and he'd also heard it from Mike Sullivan after his arrival be like Brian Rust learn how to do all the dirty stuff Figure out how to get here and how to stay here. But then from there, see where your game takes you. I like that. I thought that sounded really good. After that, though, I kept hearing from other people with the Penguins that, you know, he's really better off just doing this. And I'm thinking, you guys just aren't in this position to put ceilings on anybody who's young in this organization. You're just not. Here's a little bit of what Lafferty had to say last night after the scrimmage. Yeah, I think, um, you know, just keep building, keep getting uh, more and more experience. And I think with that and having more success comes uh, more and more confidence. So 
um, you know, I think for me, just keep doing what I've been doing and, um, you know, wherever, wherever I'm put in the lineup or um, whatever I'm asked to do, I'm going to go out there and do it. So um, just, just try to bring that attitude to the rink every day. See what I mean? Just super straight. The next great quote anybody gets from this kid will be the first. And that's fine. Not everybody's got that personality. But he's, he's a good hockey player to use a sullyism. And I think he has a chance to become a very good hockey player. But he has to be cut loose a little bit. And he has to be given a chance when somebody else goes down in the top six, such as, say, oh, you know, Kasperi Kapanen for the first couple of games in Philadelphia, it sure would be nice to see Lafferty bumped up into those roles, not every time, but occasionally, and to see what he can do. The Penguins can only benefit from it, not just in the long run, but in the short run as well. When we come back, just one question. Time for just one question, and that's always brought to you on this program by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. They're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. If you don't know where your next meal is coming from, if that's your concern, if that's your worry, they're here for you. They're ready to help. Go to pittsburghfoodbank.org slash get help to find food near you. One more time, Pittsburgh, spell it out, foodbank.org slash get help. Today's just one question comes from Brandon, who asks, Hi, Dan, big fan. Could you see Kasperi Kapanen playing predominantly on a line other than SIDS this season, such as, for example, Geno's? If so, who do you think takes his place to compliment Jake? And Sid better than anyone else. The only Hornquist-esque player I think would fit would be Tanev. Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for that, Brandon. Uh, you could probably tell as I was reading your question there that I was already starting to have the wheels turn here and think of an answer for you because there's a lot of different parts there. But the part of your question that jumped out at me the most is when you said that he could move to the Malkin line, meaning Kapanen. Well, if that happens, the no-brainer move is that Rust goes to the top line. Uh, Sid would have zero issue skating on a line with Rust and Gensel. There would be all kinds of problems that would be solved there, in fact. You would finally have that player who could be that back-checking presence, uh, who could do some of the Dominic Simone things, if you want to use that term, to take care of the back end and to get the puck up ice as quickly and efficiently as possible to Sid or Jake. Rust would be a perfect, perfect fit for that line. However, however... Rust also happens to be, and we know this, a perfect fit with Malkin. And Jason Zucker showed a fair amount of chemistry 
with Malkin. Zucker also showed all of us that he's a top six forward in the National Hockey League. Unquestionably a top six guy. So if you're not precluding that Kapanen would play on some lower line if he doesn't make it with Sid, it's a super easy switch. That's what you do. The problem is, you know, you can't go forever and ever and ever and saying, hey, Gino, you want to give up this winger that you're doing really great with so that we can try someone else with Sid? No one wants to do that. I don't think Sid wants to do that in his heart of hearts. It's been easier to find wingers who match up well with Gino than it has been with Sid. This is historically true. All you have to do is look over Sid's career and ask yourself how many guys he's had that really, really stuck with him, that really, really fit. It's a short list. Sid will, right off the bat, whenever you ask him this question, and he's very easy to talk about this subject, by the way. He'll, he has no problem discussing it. He'll cite Marion Hossa going all the way back to 2008. No kidding. Hossa was just absolutely perfect for Sid. That's why the Penguins offered Hossa the gazillion dollars that they did. Because Sid was ready to do anything to have that guy skating on his line for the next seven, eight years, whatever it was going to be. And there were others. Sid worked well with Pascal Dupuis. Sid worked uh, extremely well with Chris Kunitz. And then... You know, Jake came along, and I would argue, and and Sid has spoken words to this effect himself, that Jake's been the best fit of his career. Jake's here now. Jake's young. Jake's a 40-goal guy. That's a wonderful situation for Sid. So what do you need on that right side? Jim Rutherford goes out and gets Kasperi Kapanen. He wants to get faster. He wants to get... Uh, fresher, younger, faster. He believes in Kapanen. He has reason to believe in Kapanen. Believed in him when he drafted him. Believed in him when he came in and showed very well in the development camp. And then, of course, traded him for Phil Kessel, which helps bring a couple of cups to Pittsburgh, so nobody's really complaining about that. Now he's back. He's going to be on that line. Whether that's Rutherford's call, Sullivan's call, whether it's a joint call of some kind, doesn't really matter. He's going to be on that line. That's the way it's going to be. Somehow it's got to work. I still don't know how because I don't see Kapanen as that guy. I don't see him as that defensive conscience guy. And if you want to know Mike Sullivan's views on this, probably the best, even if it's a little bit sneaky, way to figure that out is to look at what happened in training camp when Sullivan knew that Kapanen wasn't coming. Who did they slide up to the top line? Evan Rodriguez. Evan Rodriguez is a defensive forward. He's got some offensive tools, but he's never been put in any kind of top six role. And he doesn't belong in one. I don't want to overstate one practice and one scrimmage that I covered last week at PPG Paints Arena, but my goodness, Rodriguez was just dying with the puck. I mean, he was set up for so many chances by both Sid and Jake in his scrimmage and just couldn't do anything. Couldn't even get shots off. Whether he was nervous, uh, trying too hard, whatever it is, he doesn't belong up there. But why was he placed there? That's what's interesting. 
He was placed there because the head coach wants to have somebody on that line who can take care of business that he's pretty sure Sid and Jake won't. So I, that that's where I'm going with this, Brandon. I, I, I don't think it's as simple as saying, you know, move somebody else up. The guy that I'd move up there, and I, I don't apologize for this. I want to see Sam Lafferty up there. Not because I think Sam Lafferty is going to be the next Yari Curry, but because I'd like to see somebody young up there who might, might have some kind of scoring skill beyond what the coaching staff currently seems to think. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but one way or another, the guy that's going to be playing with Sid and Gino once he's cleared in the protocol will be Kapanen. Really good question, though. Really good question. It's, if it's a good question, it gets me all fired up like that, right? <laughs> thanks for that, and thanks so much to everybody for listening today. We will do this again tomorrow. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.